This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 410, Wonder Llama of Days Gone By. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to gamesatwork.biz, your weekly technology podcast. My name is Andy Piper, and I am recording here in a studio in West London. I've had a fun week looking at the week's technology news, and my, with me to talk about it are my two co-hosts, Michael and Michael. So let's throw it across to Michael Rowe. How are you, Michael? I am well, Andy. Good to see you. Uh, loving the new digs that you're in right now. Uh, can't wait for for uh, a tour at some point in time. But uh, given that we've got uh, just a little bit of time to do this show, I'm going to hand it off to Michael Martin. How the heck are you? Uh, doing fine as well. And boy, do we have some fun things to talk about this week on this episode. So let's get straight to it. Uh, I, I don't know, Andy, if it was you or Michael who found the first uh, little humorous link to get us kicked off uh, with Fred from Scooby-Doo. Which, which one of you was it? I need to unmask them. Oh, it was Michael. Ha. Huh. So yes. for, for our audio podcast listeners, I waited. Any, any comments? Okay. No, I'm talking about the, the, the joke. <laughs> it's, it's a visual so, joke. So if, 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 if you are a person of a certain age, you probably watch Scooby-Doo. Uh, and uh, Scooby-Doo had these meddling kids who the bad guy would have got away with it if it wouldn't be for you meddling kids. And almost every episode ended up with uh, one of the characters pulling the hood or the mask or the costume off of some ghostly character and uncovering, you know, it was that typical old guy who did it. Uh, and in this case, uh, we're pulling the mask off of Chat GPT, and underneath is Clippy. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of jokes about that this uh, past week here, too. Um, you know, there are people that really want Clippy to be powered by ChatGPT, and, and somehow or another, I'm imagining that it might just be. Uh, well, you, you remember that, you know, Clippy was part of the power of Bob. I'd like to yeah. see, you know, them sitting that picture in the world of Bob. Oh, in the office there where you can yeah. go over to the, the desk and kind right. of, you know, all that. I mean... Literally, this is what has been announced this week, though, with both Google and Microsoft rushing to announce uh, uh, AI-powered, um, large language uh, model features-powered uh, aspects of their office suites, right? So uh, in Google's case, they've said, you know, it's coming to all of the, across the Google uh, G Suite of, of, of tools. And so you're going to be able to have a lot more complicated auto-completion, essentially, or, or suggestions. And Microsoft have said the same. They've, they've launched uh, Copilot for Office. So they've taken the branding across from GitHub um, mm-hmm. and, and extended it. I was talking to a friend yesterday who's uh, very experienced um, with, uh, with GitHub and uh, Microsoft as, a, as corporate entities and said that that's got to be painful for, for, for GitHub in terms of sort of differentiation and branding. Um, but then GitHub yesterday announced... Uh, uh, Copilot X uh, or GitHub X, which is their next set of uh, AI tools for for GitHub. So is, I still I signed up X for a few of those things. <laughs> it, it's P 
plus just rotated, yeah, rotated 90 twice. degrees. <laughs> right. And, and in fact, I think they didn't name it. I think it was called X to, in all of the media sort of relations outreach. But then the blog post from the CEO of GitHub didn't refer to it as, as GitHub X. It was GitHub Next or GitHub, just GitHub Copilot. Um, so they've got some some feature features in there that we're going to let you do things I have better documentation generated and stuff. Anyway, we don't have any of those links um, for that that stuff in the show notes. And we'll make we, sure we, not we... to find them. <laughs> but we, we, we do out there. We'll just add Bard. ask Chat Bard GPT tell you all about it. Yeah. But we do have a we do have a link um, to do with um, both uh, Google and Microsoft's um, competition in this space um, earlier from earlier in the week and. Frankly, this week has moved very quickly. In fact, the last really the last I would say three or four weeks have moved incredibly fast in this whole space. Mm-hmm. So you know, we were joking with one another about you know the, the, this Clippy image earlier in the week, and and then during the week there's been three or four major announcements. Um, but one of them is is slightly less good, which is um, that the uh, from from the Verge, which is that both. Um, Bard, which is Google's chatbot uh, AI, and Microsoft's uh, uh, Bing chatbot, which is depends on ChatGPT technology API underneath, um, started uh, citing one another um, when asked questions about one another. So Bing said Bard had been shut down um, because Bing misread a story that cited a tweet that sourced from, was sourced from a joke. Um, so. Yes, we've seen this starting to generate or proper, propagate misinformation very quickly. Um, now, um, the good news is that that stuff got stopped, but, yeah, but, uh, but it, not, a, not a great direction to be going in, especially as people have been taking things so credulously from these, uh, from these tools. So I think this is funny, actually, in, in, a, in a kind of, you know, end of the world, we're all going to die and the robots will take over sort of way, because what we're getting to is actually setting up a GAN, right, between Bing uh-huh. and, and BARD, to, 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 or to chat GPT and BARD, to, to ki- which one can tell the other one the most lies until everything's a lie. <laughs> well, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to move our, our show um, a little bit around here, because we, we, had a, we had a sequence of links we were going to talk through, but I'm going to jump immediately... Uh, past one and, and come back to it because this stuff is only pay- possible because we were talking about how these large languaging models were trained on information from 2021 end of 2021 and, and, and sort of history stopped for them at that point up until recently with certainly with with chat gpt4 and, and, and the integration that microsoft did with bing and, and having it go off and actually sort of combine it with live information from the web um, OpenAI yesterday actually announced um, that there are now a, a, a capability for ChatGPT to have plugins, i.e., to, to call real uh, live internet uh, web APIs. So I think it can do things like call. Um, it can do things like call um, uh, OpenTable. Um, it can do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be well. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's this is where the. Uh, this is where the singularity begins, right? Um, yeah. But uh, I know, I think uh, Michael Martin, you found this one about uh, the Wolfram plugin for uh, ChatGPT. Yeah, the the really neat thing is if you think about it, it's an app store for AI is what ChatGPT has done here about creating the ability to have plugins. And the what? one about Wolfram uh, superpowers as a plugin really caught my attention because it does 
address a really specific need like teaching this engine how to do math. And uh, it can do some rudimentary math now and can do some rather advanced ones in terms of things like showing plots and diagrams and maps and a whole lot range more, which really is added superpowers. Well, 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 let me ask you both a question. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people refer to these AI uh, chatbots having hallucinations when they get something wrong rather than just being wrong. Yep. Mm-hmm. Rather than just being wrong, it's being defined as being people. People are increasingly, I notice using the word hallucination to refer to these mis- to these mistakes yeah and yes yes Same i don't know thing. how i feel about that i feel like we should actually be calling it out as not a hallucination that almost gives bug. these things more more agency than they have right i mean they are programs right they are not independently in independent streams of thought they are based on you know, a load of existing information. And I'm, I'm not sure that we should be, we should be calling them out as incorrect or bugs. Exactly. As you say, they are wrong. This is not accurate information. I, I, I think the, the, the interesting article I saw this week, and I can't remember, I, maybe I didn't put it in the show, uh, is, uh, Irving Woloski burgers, uh, commentary on AI engines, uh, like this. And the fact that, as many other people have been calling out lately, we we tend to try to describe them in the idea of thought, right? They're not thought. They don't mm. have thoughts. They mm. don't have feelings. They are an algorithm that predicts the next thing, right? And yes, they will get better and better at predicting. Right. You know, at what point does prediction become thought? That's a different discussion. But right now, yes. you need to correct the algorithms. You need to fix the data inputs. It's a bug. You need to fix the code. You need to fix the algorithm. You need to fix the learning to improve the results. It's probability. It's not necessarily even a bug because truth is not always absolute. Now, you can do a mathematical equation, and that is either true or not true. Or you can say, hey, what was the latest episode of Games at Work that's been published? And you will get an answer. It's true or not true. But there's a lot of things that are grayer. And other engines have used probabilities to help describe why the engine believes that what it's saying is in fact true. The, the, the challenge is that probability needs to be explainable, right? And yes, sure. a, prob- a, a 99.9% probability that an event can occur does not mean that there is 0% chance that the opposite event or the adverse event can occur. And so therefore, from a probability perspective, we just talk mathematics, yes. But this is, you know, the old joke about the difference between an engineer and a mathematician, about getting infinitely close to something. At a certain point, the user expectation of these systems is that it will be, quote, right, because it is now infinitely probably right. And to your point, Michael, that still means there's a chance it's wrong. So so I wanted to, um, first of all, thoroughly agree with what you just said. Um and and, I'm, and what you just re- referred to from from Irving's uh, blog, I need, I need to go to look that up because um, I, I think that's really interesting. The fact that yeah, you're right, we've got a prediction model, and it's based on almost. You can think about these things as having a memory. Sometimes it's enabled in that you have a short term memory that, that can be used to, to to do more computation. When we have a conversation with it, other times you've got this vast store of information, knowledge, which we can treat as as a big uh, repository of, of memory or information. Um, and you've got prediction on top of that. But what we don't have, uh, in my opinion, right now, is the ability for these things to be independently creative. They can be creative based on stuff they've got records of, but they can't invent their own things um 
so that's really interesting thank you for 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 for, for confirming my own bias i guess in, in, in there um there was a high probability it would confirm yeah so so but but we do have two other links that i wanted to talk about this week i thought were really good uh, as we were we were the three of us were sharing um what we discovered online this week um and one of them is directly in the theme of the show um and the other one um is is more interesting in terms of applying things to applying these tools to work right so um the first one i was going to refer to is the fact that uh I got this morning access to Adobe Firefly Beta. Firefly Beta is Adobe basically saying you can now apply machine learning models um, similar to things like DALI or, or uh, Stable Diffusion within the Adobe suite of products. So it's a beta, um, and one of the, they've got a couple of things in there at the moment. You go to the website, you sign in with your Adobe account, um, and one of the things is um, something very similar to an image painter. Uh, you know, you give it a description. It, gives you something it's basing it on adobe stock right so um it's mm-hmm. using the image huge image catalog that, that adobe has acquired over the years um the Does other one is the um, images of work that i may have been doing and had stored in my adobe cloud account i do not believe that adobe stock does that but um you may wish to go do some reading um, I also got the uh, the Adobe uh, Creative Cloud subscription, and, and I've had some of similar questions with some of their products in the past. The other thing that is quite fun, which we will add to the show notes, is um, there's a taking the Adobe fonts, which again is a vast catalogue of fonts. Now it, it only gives you access, I think, to about twelve or fifteen of them initially at this time, but you can go in there, you can give it a, a short string of text, and then you can say, "I want it in this style." Um, so I said, in this case, his string games at work because games at work.biz with spaces was too long. Um, and then I said, and give it to me filled in with all the characters filled in with like board game pieces or, or some, some, something that gives you a sense of like, there's a board game underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried one with the Lego bricks and I tried various other sort of styles. I tried a video games one. Um, I did some other things for myself with, with sort of circuit board style. And I think they came out quite nicely. Um, it's quite, but what I, but I'm interested in is that is something where you can see this being applied to an existing tool, um, which I think is interesting. The other thing was this Ubisoft story uh, in Polygon. Uh, maybe one of you wants to pick up on. Yeah, this this is really interesting. One of the one of the key things, and I was listening to a couple other tech podcasts earlier in the week, and they brought this this story up also um, about. The background chatter in MMOs, right, uh, of NPCs. Someone has to write that today, or someone traditionally writes that. Um, and you want it to be something that is potentially expanding the lore of the game. It's not, you know, I got an arrow in my knee, right? Um, so go go, go look up, uh, oh, what was the game? I used to play the game, and it was, you know... Anyway, I'll try to find the reference of the arrow in the knee. It's a funny joke. Anyway, uh, (laughs) um, but having that kind of grunt work being done and providing a rich, immersive environment in an MMO or or any type of open world game is a lot of work. And uh, what they're doing is they're using um, this to actually create... Um, could be early starter dialogue, and then you have the writers come in and tweak it. It could be, depending on the budget of the game, it might just be the entire dialogue for NPCs that you just 
bump into. And I can see this being really cool in a very long running rich environment because then you have a corpus of lore for the game that can influence the NPC's character uh, content. The other idea is um, as a player of WoW, there's times where you go to uh, something and you get a book, right? You, you get a book that's going to continue the story of the game, but the, the contents of the book is not necessarily really relevant. And it's nice to flip through the pages and read it. Well, this could generate that content in the style of the lore mm. of the game. So it, it allows you to really expand the game world um, yeah. in, in a way that's relevant for the domain that it's in. Again, not general AI, but domain-specific AI, in this case, text for your NPCs and other parts of the game. Yeah, I, I mean, I think many of us who her gamers have come across those kind of repetitive scenarios and i think that this is uh, this is really fun a fun idea um it does bother me slightly because ubisoft have a <laughs> have a reputation at the moment for very repetitive gameplay as much as anything else and also just very cookie cutter approach to to, to their franchises um arrow in the knee is uh, i'll add a wikipedia link to the show notes but that's from uh from skyrim um but um uh yeah i we can use this as a as a bridging point, though, um, to uh, to our other one of our other main topics for the for the show um, that we that we constantly going on about, which is um, metaverse. Um, we're always interested in the the comings and goings and new uh, things being created or talked about in the metaverse. And I think um, Michael Rowe again. This was a story that you found, um, which was the ability. Um, soon in the metaverse to apply animation from 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 phone tools is that right uh the, the way i read this and I, I i'll be honest i didn't read it deep it's deep it's a gdc announcement it's actually the creating you remember the meta human mm. right which was a a three-dimensional model base model for creating human-like characters in games mm-hmm. so uh the ability to take ai to actually uh animate those meta humans in this case now on a phone that the models are that efficient and the power of your phone is now that high that they can actually generate and animate these models now on a phone i I think again the more that we see practical uses of these things um of these technologies um well, I mean, it's an obvious, it's an obvious, it's a tautology, right? It's a, the more useful they become. Um, but I, I think um, we, yeah, again, if you look at GDC announcements across the years or or, um, or any of these sort of big um, sort of theoretical technology announcements where look at the next generation of our shader model on this fancy new uh, graphics card. Well, yeah, that's fine. But until an average person can do something useful with it, then it's just kind of theoretical. And and I can see them taking the the output of Ubisoft's uh, character dialogue generator, mapping it into the meta-human animation model. Uh, um, and that way you could actually have your characters kind of like Real Illusion used to do, right? And puppet the mouth correctly. Yeah, but this is just, that's just theoretical. No, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. I, I, this this is exciting as a gamer to me that that we can start having much more realistic interaction with NPCs and third you know other other characters that start looking real. And then to your point to start this section, 
in the take that and extend it out onto a character in the metaverse where it's you and I interacting in 3D avatars with realistic facial movement. Although, guys, I'd say it's ridiculous to try to do stuff like this on a phone. I mean, what's the purpose? There aren't people doing development on a phone because that's all they got, right? So the idea that, that here's what I'm going to be doing to create, you know, metahumans on my phone and then what? Transfer them into a different experience or embed them within a game? If, if, if Don't the only it. thing I have is a phone and I want to interact with the metaverse once it's there, then I would want a fully appropriately represented metahuman. If every if the only tool I have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? I mean, it, you uh, nailed to, it. To, 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 uh, <laughs> um, I actually did stand up a new website this week f- purely from my phone, um, which was it was very basic, and I, I was I improved it rapidly once I got back to a full you know keyboard and screen. Um, but I was able to to very to put up a very simple sing, single page uh, website this week, um, just just from. Uh, doing a few things on a, on a phone, but yeah, I, I, I take that point, Michael. It's uh, I, I think things like having a, a handy touch screen, being able to to do you know multi multi touch um, on a device to do some of that animation is useful. But I agree that who's you know you're not going to buy all of your games developers new phones to go <laughs> to go animate the NPCs in in the next you know uh, blockbuster game. You're going to give them the proper yeah, and and everyone who's got two monitors or more, why don't you give away all your monitors and just use your phone instead, right? Absolutely. Thank so you. five years from now, let's give away the monitors. You don't need them. You're wearing a, an AR headset. You've got virtual monitors. You've got multiple virtual monitors ahead of you. you. You've got code being generated by AI. You're speaking out the instructions. You're building your website. You're writing your code. You're automatically animating the characters. All, and all I need is something about this big that I can put in my pocket and put on a pair of glasses. You made my point for me exactly. You're not going to do that on your phone. You're going to do big. that in an immersive environment. But you, your your device is that phone. That's has no. That's like just that. happened to be or a computer. It, be it it it's, your phone it, you is could carry around. You could carry around a Raspberry Pi for all it takes. Right? You know, you're not going to do it on a screen the size of a phone. The the phone is a a a representation of that small computer, right? This and Andy computer. is showing us a little tiny computer that fits in his hand. Well, yeah. you know, I got one on my wrist. Yeah. <laughs> right? So so the definition of what's what do I need to do development is I need access to a computing device which doesn't have to be physical. Method. Which the talks end. to a massive cloud which does all of the hard work for you. I, I, to, to be talking of animation, and this is again going slightly going off track, but this is a great argument we've got, got ourselves into. Um, I played a little bit this week with a new uh, CAD tool, um, or it's being touted as a CAD tool called WOMP, W O M P, which is a 3D design software. Um, and the like interesting Gimp thing about 3D? Them, well, kind of. I mean, I, I don't know where the, where the name came from. I didn't do any research into it. But the interesting thing about WOMP is that it is using streaming technology. So the whole thing is streamed to you, to you in your browser. Now, um, hmm. I found that that meant that it was not very responsive as, a, as, a, as an experience. However, what I did find was it was really fun and they've made it really fun. And, you know, they kind of run these little, uh, it's still in very much in alpha, but they run these little uh, competitions each, every few days, like who can who can make the cutest bunny rabbit or, or something like that. B- 
because it helps people get to grips with the tools and it gives a bit of fun. Um, and you can download the models from there as something that you could throw into a 3D printer slicer, which maybe may or may not be why I got interested in it. Um, <laughs> but, but it is very, but, but this is very organic modeling. So more sort of blender end of sculpturing, sculpt, sculptural modeling versus the very precise mechanical modeling you get with other CAD tools. Um, anyway, um, that, that's combining the streaming game sort of technology that we've been talking about over the last few years with Michael's point of you're going to have some immersive kind of environment, um, whether or not it's through a headset or not is another matter. Uh, we should, we should move along because we'll get, uh, we'll get caught up on, on, on this little, uh, discussion. Uh, what do you think about, uh, the latest in, in, in sort of metas, metaverse, uh, world we've got a few stories this week uh, that, that are in that sort of space well it, ma- it made me hungry <laughs> <laughs> that's a very spicy way to think about it so the, the what what andy's alluding to here is that there was a taco bell metaverse wedding that was described uh as a uh, gizmodo little video snippet um We've seen weddings in the metaverse before. We've seen we lots of lots of things in the metaverse before. So some things we can't unsee. Well, and and there there are ways of um, people that uh, are NPCs. You know, I'm reminded of Replica as a great example of this, where people have actually married their uh, avatar companion um, in one way or another and upgraded their status, and they're interacting that way too. So, you know that. Th- that's sort of my high level take on it. I, de- I definitely took it as an everything old is new again sort of story from from the perspective of the three of us. I also looked at it as again metaverse and Meta's iteration of metaverse is very much sort of in the news, and therefore they can make a story out of it now. Ten years ago, you're right. People were talking about oh, these people got married in Second Life. Uh, they met in yeah. second life. They got married. Like, that, it was, it was, you know, it was a, it was a, and finally item on, on the evening news. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, and that's kind of what I felt like what this was. I mean, combining it with a brand like Taco Bell, um, <laughs> which, uh, which adds a bit of, of, of color or spice, depending on uh, your, your preference to the story. Spice. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is we talked a couple of weeks ago about how um, meta seems to be, stepping away from or de-emphasizing things. So there's a few stories uh, in the last couple of days uh, talking about uh, both Horizon Worlds and also the fact that Meta is positioning this still as very much and very specifically as VR rather than AR, which I found an interesting distinction given what we've been talking about with the Apple headset and the the, the alleged Apple headset and the, the focus on AR that, that Tim Cook seems to be be having. Yes, and and he's and, and is exactly right. I mean, it is it is still a VR environment, right? It's not something that's overlaying on top of reality. And um, uh, for, for I think at least for me, but I think for all of us, we've been talking for a good long while, years, about in order for this to have that data layer of adoption and and, and immersion and interaction, it's the data on top of everyday objects that now makes it part and parcel of a real life versus something you go into and then you come out of. Right. 
Well, we've got two stories. One of them is from New, the New, York, New Yorker, and it's quite a long read um, about uh, all things metaverse, really, um, uh, and meta in particular. Um, really good, good long read, but uh, probably longer than we're going to be able to go through line by line in the show. Definitely longer than that. Um, the other one is this story about how meta are specifically being uh, they are uh, challenging some network fees uh and mm. uh specifically as part of that um set of um statements they've said that, that this is very much a virtual reality uh environment um so there's a couple of links that one's in a TechCrunch story to, to to go take a look at um we are racing towards the end of the show so we've had a good chunk of conversation about ai had a little conversation about games and metaverse um, the rest of it is kind of a bit of an assortment that we 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 shared between the three of us this week. What 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 are you guys uh, what have you guys been enjoying from the links we shared this week? Well, I've been seeing tons of Lego, so I I really love the Lego Lunar experience here, and and I f- find it fun uh, that it's paired up with ads against the uh, Van Gogh experience for me. And there's a great Lego Van Gogh oh, really? experience too. Well, it just is because we went to that exhibit in Raleigh, and so it's yeah. like, hey, you should go visit the Raleigh one. But this this moon, this lunar version of a of a of a. I, I guess you would call it almost a painting, a Lego painting. It's I a guess poster, it's a is the idea. The, yeah, uh, I, I actually yeah. think I've seen this poster, the real poster. That it's oh, really? Yeah. How interesting. It's, interesting. It's, it's the face of the moon with the moon faces below it, or the phases, mm-hmm. um, and, and the famous Earthrise picture below it. Oh, um, yeah. Cool. So, cool. And you can see the regolith. It's a Lego Ideas model, so um, it may or may not get made as a set, but people people have to go and vote on the Lego Ideas set, and then Lego has to have the rights and various other things to be able to do it. But it's very, very cool. And they've been Lego's been doing some beautiful stuff in their sort of artwork series of frameable work, uh, pieces as well recently. So who knows? Maybe that'll be, become something that we can put on our own walls. Yep. Very cool. And, and then uh, to kind of follow up with our discussion last week on Diablo 4's beta, um, the, the video of The Butcher is starting to come out. Uh, for those who've played Diablo 4 back in the day, they will remember The Butcher as kind of the first boss that you run into. Well, Diablo 1, 2, or 3, presumably. Yes. So back I think in the day. Two. I think it was all three of them had The Butcher. Because <laughs> uh, right. Diablo, to me, just seems to remake itself a lot uh and and the versions are yeah it's better graphics it might be a larger story but yeah you're you're pretty much doing the same thing uh and uh the the video is just awesome he's <laughs> i remember the very first time running into the butcher in the very first diablo it's like took me forever to get around him because he just kept killing me left and right uh so you do a lot of other stuff to kind of build up your equipment uh and uh he will uh he will scare the crap out of you. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, has anybody has anybody backed any good Kickstarters lately? <laughs> well, thank you, Andy, for that beautiful setup. Uh, <laughs> um, on this show, we've talked about my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite bands is Devo, and we've talked about my very first Kickstarter I supported, which was the authorized Devo um, documentary movie that failed. Uh, sorry, it it passed. The Kickstarter passed, and after like 
four years, um, it finally just disappeared and ran away with everybody's money because they couldn't get the band to actually approve the authorized video that they made. (laughs) And and so it it died. And uh, there was an article in Rolling Stone this week of yet another new authorized Devo movie coming out. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this and I hope it survives longer and actually comes out because uh, there's some really incredible uh, history to that band if you're not familiar with them uh, besides just the song Whip It, right? Is there an investment opportunity for you there, Michael? No. <laughs> and I spent a lot on that on that Kickstarter. So um, this, this is, I, I can't wait for it to come out and I will watch it. Once it comes out, if it doesn't, I'm not spending a dime. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm hopeful that our listeners will all get to enjoy that with you at some stage. But uh, in the meantime, we've got, a, got to wrap up for the, this week. So uh, it's been a pleasure, gentlemen, to uh, hang out and talk tech again. And uh, where can people find us? Remind me. I, I don't remember. What are, what are we called again? What's our, what's our show called? There's, there's a couple of things they can do. One, they can go to our website at gamesatwork.biz. Uh, hmm. And from there, there's links to all kinds of ways to reach us. Uh, each of us are available on Mastodon uh, in the Fediverse, uh, various different uh, uh, servers. Uh, you can uh, follow the podcast at uh, Bots in Space. Um, uh, and uh, the, I think the easiest way, though, is to go to your favorite podcatcher, Look up gamesatwork.biz and subscribe and also uh, rate us so that others can find us too. We would appreciate it. Leave us a little review. Leave us a little review. Let us know what you think. That'd be great. And I think that's it. All right. All right, then. See you guys. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to gamesatwork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network. And would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz. Music